If you may, as we uh, come today, we are concluding our series titled LED, in which we are following the words of Christ. We're building this entire series on the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 5 of Jesus calling his followers, his people, the light of the world, and then commanding them to let their light shine before others. Why? So that they may see their good works and then give glory to their Father who is in heaven. So the entire motivation under the the entire series is to hopefully challenge you, to motivate you, to truly let your light shine. Because for those of us, if we aren't careful, we can get so caught up into consuming each and every week and to just come and just consume and to just have a great time and then to go out and never really put it into practice what we come here to do, which is to grow in our faith, to strengthen our walk with Christ, and then to leave here and then to show it to the world. So my prayer is that all of us would truly let our light shine before others so that they would see the joy and the peace and the love and salvation that you have and that these things would literally be seen through all you do. So we titled this LED, and we've gone through two. Now this is the third week of it and the final week of it. The first week we discussed love, how the lights that you and I possess, the joy that we have, the salvation we have, all began with the love of God. Secondly, last week we discussed the example that you and I set as a way in which we let our light shine before others in the way that we speak and in the way that we conduct ourselves in our speech and in our conduct. And now lastly, we're going to discuss the D of the LED, which is discipleship. Discipleship. Um, I will go ahead and tell you that this is something that's not always easy or sometimes even prioritized in church, but it is extremely important. This is what you and I should be here for. So let me just ask you, why did you come to church this morning? Why did you? You don't have to tell me, but just think about why you came to church this morning. Well, mom told me or dad told me or whatever. For some teenagers, that may be the reason. Or, you know, happy wife, happy life. I better go to church and make her happy. If I go to church, maybe I can have some extra golf swings and she can shop on Amazon. Everything's good. Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't know why you came to church. I would say probably to worship the Lord, to sing and to give glory and honor and praise to his name, to surround yourself with Christ-minded, like-minded people. To surround yourself with these people, your church family, your friends, your your neighbors, or maybe even complete strangers that have become your church family, people in your life group, or, or so on and so on. Uh, maybe you came to study God's Word and you opened it and, and dug into it in Sunday school and now you're ready to, to really dig into the Word of God so that the Word of God can come you know alive in your life as well. Maybe to grow in your faith. Maybe to be refreshed after a very hectic or very painful week. You need to come in here and just worship the Lord and to be recharged for the next week. There's many reasons why you come to church. Some because it's a free hour of daycare and we just send the kids downstairs and, and we can just sit in quiet and peace, right? Maybe one Sunday we'll do that. We'll send all the kids downstairs and we'll just sit with the lights off and in quiet um, because if you have little ones, you know that doesn't happen. So... But I, I, let me just tell you why I come. So every week you may hear me pray or say, and I may not do it every single week, but oftentimes every week I pray 
or I will say that my goal and my prayer is that each week, you and I, all of us, may leave here a little bit differently than what? Than we came. So let me explain that to you. So the reason I come to church, yes, it's my job. And uh, the church would not be happy if they were paying me to just sit at home or to, to sleep in or do that. It is my job, and it is required that I come to church and I, and I do preaching or teaching or, or home visits or whatever, whatever the job entails. Um, however, I also, and most importantly, come to church because I believe that God has called me to this very position to shepherd this particular house spiritually in a way to build you up in Christ. That's why I come. I come because, yes, I love to worship the Lord. Yes, I love to sing songs of praise. Yes, I love to surround myself with most of you and, and really enjoy most of your company. And, and yes, we love Life Group. And yes, we love all of our church family. I, I come for that as well. And I need to be some weeks, I have very hectic or very painful or very down weeks. And I need to just come in and just truly distance myself from all of that and to worship the Lord and to hug my kids or to hug my church family and, and to just be in the company with one another. I need that just like you do. But I also come because I believe that God has called me to this very position to build you in Christ. Now, this is my way of discipleship. I also lead a life group, which we meet every Thursday, and we dig into the Word, and we have food and fun, and and we just enjoy the company. But most importantly, I'm hoping that through my life group leading and through my preaching and teaching, I am engaging and participating in this life of discipleship. So what is the definition? What is discipleship? Let me just explain it very briefly, and then we will open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and Matthew 28. So discipleship, what is discipleship? Very, very short definition, and then you can expand and expound on that. Uh, Disciples of Jesus Christ training other disciples to look more like Christ. Disciples of Jesus Christ training other disciples to look more like Christ. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to start in verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And then I also want to read Matthew chapter 28, which many of you all probably know, the Great Commission. Some of the last words of Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Some of y'all husbands hear that. The Apostle Paul said it, not me, that we are to grow up in every way into him, This is growing up into Christ, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And if you were to flip over to Matthew chapter 28, going to the words of Jesus, known as the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and do what? Make disciples of every nation or of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Doing what now? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So these are the words of the Apostle Paul. These are the words of Jesus. Now these aren't the only two passages of Scripture that refer to or allude to discipleship. These are the only two that I chose for today and the two that I really want to build upon. But what you will see is in Ephesians chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 28, never is it explained that discipleship requires a pulpit, a certificate of ordination, or a Bible college degree. Never. So what that means for you and what that means for me, all of us play a role in discipleship. All of us have a job to do. Discipleship does not require a pulpit. It doesn't require some fancy piece of paper. It doesn't require a degree. But it does require you to be a disciple of Jesus so that you can make what? More disciples of Jesus. So that you can teach them to observe all that he commanded. So you can teach them to understand the word of the Lord and the way of the Lord. So that you can, what? Build up the body of Christ. That is what discipleship is. Is for you and I to be built up in our faith. To be becoming more and more mature spiritually as we grow up in every way into him. Who is the head. So what that means is discipleship doesn't require these things. Actually what we can define discipleship is this. As a way of life that God has called all his followers to walk in. Keyword, all. I want to make sure he finds. All right, he's good. They were discipling too hard downstairs. (laughs) They saw the cross and the three nails, I guess. Um, Anyway, discipleship doesn't require a pulpit. Discipleship requires you to commit to the way of life that God has called you to walk in. So discipleship is a way of life. So let me just tell you my responsibility here. Some of you may have different opinions what my responsibility is. And that's okay. That's on you. But let me just tell you what I believe God has called me to do here. My responsibility as a spiritual shepherd of this house is not to try to impress you. It's not to try and to be crafty or unique. And I will make a confession. This is a confession. I felt like the first couple of years I had to try and impress you because it took me a long time to impress my wife. And I knew that if, if, nobody, if it took me that long to impress her, there's no way I can impress other people. So I felt like I had to try all of these things and be crafty and unique. And my first couple of years of ministry, not that they were ill-intended, but were more of like, hey, I need to make these people, I need to fool these people. 
Okay, let's just be honest. Because if they really knew how um, uneducated I was or inexperienced I was, I need to try and fool these people into believing that I might be a little bit smarter than I am. And I guess it worked for a while. Um, but anyway, what I thought was that discipleship will come later. So now I find myself, here we are going into our seventh year of being here, seven years of ministry, to where discipleship is more and more important to me. I love when the house is full. I love it. I love when people come to church. I love whenever we see people saved and we're, and we're pulling out the baptism take every week. I love that. But I also love for you to grow deeper and for you to study the word more. And here's what I believe my spiritual um, responsibility is, is not to always try to impress you or to make you always feel good and try to tickle your ears with some illiterate or ignorant doctrine or teaching. My responsibility is to preach and teach the Word of God in a way that you become greater reflections of Christ. That's my job. If you become greater reflections of Christ, I feel as if I am doing my part. If I am preaching and teaching the Word, and there's going to be some times, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I never write a sermon because someone made me mad. You know, like, oh, you made me mad, and you're acting like a fool over here in this area, or people are living in this sin. I never write a sermon out of that, but I will warn you, there are going to be some times where I preach, and you feel like I'm, I'm like attacking you. It's not me attacking you, it's the Spirit of God and the Word of God maybe illuminating in your own life some sins that you are living in, and it's hurting your toes, and you have a hard time walking out. Never because it's an ill intent on me, it's because God is confronting you and drawing you to repentance. So my job is to preach and to teach the Word of God without adding to or, or taking anything away. Sometimes it's not always enjoyable. Sometimes it is painful. I also believe that if you are growing in your faith and becoming greater reflections of Christ over time, for some of you, I will become irrelevant. Huh? I will become irrelevant which is a great sign of you growing in your faith to the point that you can preach the gospel and share the good news of Christ without a preacher telling you how to do it. Because you come in and you truly worship the Lord, you are growing in your faith, you're surrounding yourself with other believers to where for some of you, and hopefully most of you over the next few years, 10 years, 5 years, whatever it is, to where you do not need, necessarily need me. You can do this on your own. You're big boys and big girls now. Because you've grown up into Christ. Not into me, into Him. And I'm, my responsibility is to point you to grow into and mature in every single way. Into whom? Christ. If you're growing into Christ, you don't need me to get in the way. Now it's my responsibility sometimes to maybe steer you in the right direction or to confront some things that may be going on or to... Be always be there, but my responsibility is to ensure that you are growing in every single way. And for some of you, I may already be irrelevant, which is great. And for some of you, a few years from now, I may be. And I feel like that is my responsibility, that I am leading you in a way. The Spirit of God and the body of Christ are all, we are all working together to grow each and every one of us into the likeness of Christ. So that this, in this way, we aren't tossed like children to and fro. So you may hear a sermon on this particular topic from this person and believe it, and then you hear it completely different the next week, and then you believe it. We want you. So everything that I preach or everything that I say, I pray that you will go and you will do the work yourself. 
You will ensure that the, what I am saying is truly biblically accurate. That you will know the Word of God, that you will study the Word of God, that you will critique me, or, or that you may even bring something to light if needed, that you will do what you need to do to grow into Christ. Hence, leaving here differently than you came. As you grow, and as we all grow little by little, maybe day by day, week by week, maybe year by year, we all grow in our faith. We are able to stand firm on the Word of God. Walk by faith, not by sight, and look more and more like Christ. That is discipleship. Now, let me just tell you this. Um, I coach, Michael Gum and I coach Aubriana and Hadley's little third grade basketball team. And it is challenging and rewarding all at the same time. And anytime you deal with people, adults, or kids, it's always challenging and rewarding at the same time. Um, there are times where I, where I will show them a drill and I will, t- will teach them how to box out properly or, or their footwork on a layup. And, and we will teach them and we will demonstrate it to them and we will speak it until our lungs are f- you know, empty. And we'll say, okay, now let's see what you can do. And they do it the exact opposite way. And we'll say, okay, do it again. And, and then eventually we just get sick and tired and just say, get on the baseline and just run. Until you figure it out, just, just run. Um, but it's challenging because we'll tell them, okay, when you, when you go to shoot a layup, make sure you take, you know, gather your feet and then one step up and make sure you know where you're at. We've got girls throwing it off the bottom of the rim, hitting themselves in the head. And, and, and it's challenging. But guess what? At the same time, whenever it clicks, it's so rewarding to see them do the things that we're trying to teach them to do so they can grow. Likewise is ministry. I or anyone who's preaching or teaching can preach to you and plead with you to repent of your sin before it destroys your marriage or to put the alcoholism or the drunkenness away before it destroys something or to stop looking at these websites or those websites before it truly corrupts you. We can tell you to stop living with greed or or in gossip or whatever the sin that you may struggle with. We can plead with you and we can preach the word to the point to where our lungs are empty, our faces are blue, and there's going to be some people that just leave here and continue to just do it the wrong way time after time after time. But then the rewarding part is when they finally repent of those sins, we see their marriages restored, we see homes built, we see families changed, and we see them growing into the true potential that God has called them to live in. So discipleship, just like coaching third grade girls basketball team, is both challenging yet rewarding all at the same time, but nonetheless requires a lot of work. So just as I am to lead this place, I'm also as a husband and a wife, and now we're going to make it personal for you, called to lead my wife, to disciple my wife, as well as my children. If you are here and you are married, your responsibility in your home is to disciple your spouse, to ensure that they are growing in their faith, to ensure that you are showing them the way and the word of the Lord to lead them, to answer questions, to preach to them if needed, um, and with kids to definitely lay hands on when required. Um, But my responsibility in my home is to ensure that I disciple my girls to where they don't need anyone else, that I can disciple my wife and my girls to the point where they grow in Christ to where eventually in their lives they don't necessarily need a preacher or a YouTube 
teacher, they can truly mature in every way to grow to spiritual maturity to where they are greater reflections of Christ. But here's the reality. If we aren't careful, we will neglect the biggest mission field that God has called us to, which is your home. So let me just, before I make an innocent plug here. Uh Uh-oh. Let's just talk about, for just a moment, those of us that come to church. Maybe you come to Sunday school. You come to the worship service. You may come to a life group. At the most, you and I are here or in a life group or in a church gathering for four hours a week. Four hours. For those of you kids or, or youth that come to Sunday school come to church, go to Worship 180 at the most, or in church or in a gathering for four hours a week. So what I'm trying to say is that if your greatest view of discipleship is here, then you may be missing the point. For four hours, you cannot expect me to fix everything or whoever's preaching to teach you everything in 30 minutes or you can't expect the Sunday school class or the life group session to fix everything and to disciple you fully. This is why it is a way of life and not just something that happens in the walls here because we are going to do our diligence in every way to ensure that when you do come here, we aren't trying to tickle your ears and pat you on the back and tell you, hey, keep up the great work even though you're living in sinfulness and darkness and brokenness. We're going to preach and teach the Word of God with boldness, clarity, and accuracy so that you can know it, repent of your sin, and grow in your faith. And in our life group sessions, I pray and hope that each of them are all truly digging into the Word and edifying the body and building each other up, which I believe they are. We are going to do our job, but you cannot expect this time that we spend together to be the greatest form of discipleship. If you have a spouse or if you have children, it must be your responsibility. So when we talk about our kids, and this is when I'll make a plug about what's going on downstairs. If you're bringing your kids to church, I encourage you to bring them until they are on their own, driving themselves and coming on their own in their own will. But you cannot expect our Sunday school teachers, our children's church teachers, or our worship 180 leaders to be the only disciplers of your youth and of your kids. It is my responsibility to train my children in the way they should go so when they grow old, they will not depart from it. It is your responsibility as a parent to train up and to bring up your children in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility for my kids. I can't expect the people teaching my kids downstairs to be the greatest form of disciplers. I must be. Michaela must be. So if you're bringing your kids, I encourage you to continue to bring them, continue to send them downstairs. But I'm also challenging you right here and now to grow in your faith, to grow in maturity so that you can be the greatest form of discipler in your home. So that you can truly make disciples of Christ. Now, this is where I have to challenge all y'all at the same time. And this is something that we've talked about in, in business meetings, board meetings. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we have a lot of kids coming to church, which we should praise the Lord for. But when we have a lot of kids coming to church, it requires a lot of work, preparation, and time of our leaders and our children's church leaders. And I believe, I didn't ask for anybody's permission, but I believe I can speak on behalf of Jill 
and every children's church and Sunday school kids leaders in saying this, we need help. We need help. What I mean by that is this. We have some people volunteering two times a month to be downstairs, which they do out of the kindness of their heart, and they want to be investing in the next generation. Because here's the reality. One of these days, my time here will be over. And there may be a kid right now being trained up and being built up in their faith by wonderful people downstairs that will fill this position one day. It may be 10 years from now, maybe 30 years from now. I don't know when it'll be. But what I am doing is I'm asking you if you have any way that you can serve and step out of your comfort zone, I am asking you, and on behalf of Jill and all of the other teachers that go down faithfully, that you would consider, pray about, and reach out about helping teach our children's church classes. Because I I do believe this at the same time. It is just as important what goes on downstairs as what happens up here. Maybe even more important. Because at the same time, we have some people going down two times or even three times a month, missing out two Sundays or three Sundays from worshiping and being upstairs with their spouses or their, their grandkids or whoever it may be. And they continue to invest. So I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you if, there, if you've ever felt led to, to help, to serve, to lead, to reach out to Jill, myself, Michaela, the Gibsons, any of our youth or children's leaders and find a way to step out of your comfort zone. Now, here's what you may say. Oh, there is no way. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. Neither do I. Neither do I. You go downstairs and find me one children's church teacher or one youth leader that has all the answers to every question of life. There's none. But I am asking you to consider stepping out of your comfort zone and maybe this being a time that God could draw you out of your comfort zone for the very first time to investing in our next generation and the building up of little disciples that will become big disciples one day so that you and I can all do our part in this way of life called discipleship. Because as you leave here today, the job isn't over. This isn't, okay, I did my church, we should all grow now, and we don't have to do anything until next Sunday. No, no, no. This is just a moment you have with all of us. And the real job for you growing in your discipleship actually takes place when you leave here. So discipleship, again, is a way of life that you and I are all called to be a part of. If you have people in your home, people in your workplace, it is your responsibility to invest and to disciple them, to build them up in Christ. Now, as we get ready to leave here, as I get ready to close, let me just tell you this. Through your love, your example, and your discipleship, this is truly how you let your light shine before others. The way that you teach, the way that you lead, the way that you invest, the the energy you exhort is truly a demonstration of you letting your light shine before children, before adults, before a life group, before a family, before a friends group, before your workplace in a form in which your light may shine so that one day, one day, they will bring glory and honor and give glory and honor to your Father in heaven. Let's pray.